0: Just go to Indeed.com/slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With the sixth pick in the 2022 NBA draft, the Indiana Pacers select Benedict Matherin from Montreal. The NBA Academy, Latin America, and the University of Arizona.
1: With the 31st pick in the 2022 NBA draft, the Indiana Pacers select Andrew Nemhard from Aurora, Ontario, and Gonzaga University. The Indiana Pacers select Kendall
0: Brown from Baylor University. When, When I see teams in the NBA Finals, and this year it was the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors, Guys, take a look at their wings, Tatum and Brown, and then Clay Thompson and Wiggins. Mm-hmm. You got to have length, size, athleticism. You got to be able to shoot it, handle the ball, to be competitive with those guys. He can play with these guys. Maybe He'll need some seasoning. But I think this guy's, I think Ben Matherin's going to be a perennial all-star. Maybe not his first year, second year. But I think after he gets in that third, fourth year, he'll start to trend. But he, his,
1: all of his skills are transferred. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. And joining me, he is on cloud nine right now because we have Ben McMatherin on this team. It's a one and only Michael J. Flacci, Focci, what's going on, brother? Oh, man, life
2: is good. And how could it not be, Alex? We got our guy. I know it's been a couple of days, but it still doesn't feel real. And look, all around, I mean, now that enough time has, has passed, from taking a pulse of the fan base, everybody's happy.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I can't even go back and think of anybody that's hated on this pick. So I think the Pacers have done an excellent job with assembling three really good rookies here in this draft class they also added some players we're going to talk about but before we get into all of that Fachi, I think the most interesting thing that came out over the weekend was an interview that Benedict Matherin had with the Washington Post your old stomping grounds over there and he had a little bit of a bold take or a bold comment to say um I've never seen a Pacers rookie or really anybody on the Pacers even have this type of confidence, this level of confidence. But this was the quote. Before slipping off to his hotel room to make his final preparation for the draft, Matherin said that there was one test, maybe the biggest of all, that he was particularly looking forward to as a rookie. His first game against Los Angeles Lakers star LeBron James. Matherin said, a lot of people say he's great. I want to see how great he is. I don't think anybody is better than me. He is going to have to show me he's better than me. Fachi, how do you feel about that?
2: I started looking at my wall and I started counting up how much money I'm going to owe my landlord because I was ready to run through it. That was an alpha statement from Benedict Mathurin. I loved every second of it because I believed it. Not, Not that it's, hey, you know, Benedict's better than LeBron, but I believe that he Believed it, and that is what was important because you look at the rookies from the past. If TJ Leaf said it, we would have laughed him out of the building. If Goga said it, no shot, not true. When Benedict Matherman said it, it was all of a sudden that's an alpha mentality. I love every second of it. This guy is going to be a stud because you gotta think like that if you're going to succeed in the league.
1: Oh, I absolutely loved it too. And people were like, whoa, pump the brakes. Whoa, stop. You don't say this kind of stuff. You guys are Mm-mm. too arrogant. Blah, blah, blah. Look, here's what I say about it. I want a guy to be that confident when he's on the court. I want a guy to think he's the best because if you don't think you're the best, then you're settling for who yep. what your potential could be. So I absolutely loved it, Fachi. I think this is just fantastic. Um, I hope that this kind of carries over into the locker room. I hope that these guys, these young players, kind of have a swag to them. And, you know, honestly, I think John Morant's very arrogant, very cocky, kind of confident in himself. He went out there and he put up, you know, uh, yeah, he made a good case for, you know, getting some MVP votes this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, another guy that's pretty young and confident, Anthony Edwards, a guy that we've compared quite a bit to uh, Benedict Mather. And So I, I like the way that this seems to be heading. I, I know that it's a big, bold take when I said that he's going to be Anthony Edwards of the East, but I fully believe that Fauci... I, I am 100% bought in to whatever Benedict Mather is going to be because I just feel like with this arrogance, with this confidence, with this work ethic, everything he's been through in life, we've talked about his story. He didn't get here by not putting in the work. The fact that that article also talked about how he worked out for the Pacers, went out to dinner with them, and then came back and did another workout, Focci, that, that that to me just showcases this dude is the real deal, and he has 100% incredible work ethic.
2: I loved it because in that story, it was like if a player hits 20 of 25 shots, they get to ring the bell. Mathurin didn't hit that number, and it bothered him. It stayed with him. And when he brought it up, when he asked Coach Carlisle if if they'd be able to get in the gym again, Carlisle was all for it opens up the gym just to see him in there. That's how you make a statement right there because that's a guy who maybe if he had a bad game, he's getting in the gym and he's working on it. Like, And, and if he's doing real well, he's not going to be satisfied. So it, it just it showed a lot about him. And one thing that I also loved, that picture that went up with Tyrese Halliburton seeing Matherin the night before the draft, You know, Halliburton said, hey, we knew all along. Whatever it was, the fact that they already have a connection in place, I, I think is just awesome because when I see those two guys, I see cornerstones of this franchise for years to come. The hardest thing to find, I've said, is a true point guard. Next is the guy like Bendik Mathur, and that you could pair with him. Now I feel like you got two building blocks for the future, and this is how something special be- starts to happen.
1: Yeah, I put a tweet out and it got a lot of traction on it, but I just want to reiterate it here in case you didn't see it. This Pacers backcourt has been upgraded from Malcolm Brogdon and Karis Levert to Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin in about four and a half months. Big upgrade. That is what I'm talking about. That's how you go through a rebuild. That's how you get into changing things for your franchise for the better and and making things a little bit brighter. But Fauci, little quick note here. You sent me this text, and it's really funny because I didn't even really give you much of a response. I was super busy on Friday and Saturday, but me and you were both doing the same thing. And it's really funny. We both were looking at you know, who, who's Kendall Brown's agent? You know, cause we were kind of figuring out like, okay, like I didn't really know too much about his agency going into, obviously we had looked into Matherin's already, but lo and behold, Benedict Matherin and Kendall Brown share the same agency, but you know who else shares the same agency with them? DeAndre Ayton. Just going to throw that out there. Very true. I think it's very interesting. And the Pacers have worked with them before. They also have a former Pacer and Aaron Holliday with that agency as well. So, Just looking at this this is all public information on Google, so I'm not giving you inside sources, just telling you what I looked up. I think it's very interesting. Something to keep an eye on as we get closer to the offseason and and, and free agency. But, Focci, we got a press conference we need to talk about today because Kevin Pritchard, Rick Carlisle, and these three rookies spoke. Let's get right into it. Where do you want to start?
2: I would just want to start by, I, I guess, we'll start in the beginning because KP said he wanted to be super aggressive and all that. We know that. But basically, he knew after he got Matherin, Neymar, basically was like, hey, let's make it a phenomenal draft. Let's go out there. Let's get Kendall Brown. And essentially said that from right after pick 31, from 32 all the way through about 48, they called every team out there because they viewed Kendall Brown as a first round pick a top 30 talent to be able to be able to get him at 48, I thought was just ridiculous value. So right over there, it was nice to know that, Hey, they were aggressive in some sense, not super aggressive, but when they saw someone that they wanted in the second round, they at least made a call to everybody.
1: Can Can I just stop for a second and give you your flowers because I think you deserve them. Um, my, Appreciate my buddy, it. my buddy David was listening back to the podcast That we did with our draft reaction podcast. And he said, Fauci called Pritchard getting aggressive to trade back up for Kendall Brown. You said it. it. You said it while I was driving home. You said, Alex, if Kevin Pritchard's serious about being aggressive, we got pick 58. We got other future assets. If Kendall Brown's on the board, go and get your guy. You were like, we're right around pick 42 Mm -hmm. when you said that. So for you to say that and for us to end up doing exactly what you kind of just threw out there casually, or maybe you you thought there could be a chance at it, I got to give you your flowers. And I got to say this, back when we started doing like our uh, mailbag podcast, talking about guys that could be here on draft day, I think you were the first one to bring up Benedict Matherin, if I'm not mistaken.
2: months and months and months ago. Man, Mm -hmm. I saw, I just, I liked him. I really did. And, and it, it was, man, that might have been like January. I don't know when it, it was. was. But it was December,
1: January. I remember because I was like, you hadn't been hearing the buzz about him as much that high at, at that point. And he was kind of in like that 8 to 12 range. He hadn't really catapulted up into the top five, top six area. And I was kind of like, yeah, maybe so. Like, I just hadn't really done a lot of research in him. I was big on guys like AJ Griffin. Um, I really liked Shaden Sharp, obviously, when he came mm-hmm. in there. We all know that. And I like Ty Ty Washington as a point guard before we got Tyrese Halliburton. So, you know, I was just looking at some of those guys, but I, I really was high on A.J. Griffin at one point because I liked the upside. But I just got to say, you brought Matherin up first and you did the Kendall Brown stuff during the draft. So uh, none of us had Nimhart on our no, radar. we didn't.
2: I, I could not try and take credit for that because it would not be deserved. But, hey, feels good to get the flowers. But, man, it, I, it's good to be on the same page as KP and the front office because it's like – that was kind of the guy there that it was like, make a move. And it was nice to know that we don't always get to see those because if the move didn't work out, we would, we wouldn't have known that they called up, you know, every team for him, but it was nice to be able to get him because we saw him, you and I saw him as first round talent that if you could get at 31, it was a steal. So it all worked out. Hey, it really was the icing on the cake right over that, that turned a pretty good slash good draft into that phenomenal draft that k p said,
1: yeah, so let me let me do this real quick because as we're continuing to talk about what was said at this press conference we've we've done this before. we've done some segments called factor fiction. I want you to tell me factor fiction when Kevin Pritchard said that they thought Andrew Nimherd, Kendall Brown, and Benedict Mather were all in their top twenty. Is that factor fiction?
2: Uh, I'm gonna go fiction man. <laughs> I, I, I gotta say fiction there. It was like, look. I think a lot of us would have been happy with Kendall Brown at 31 and Nemart at 48 if, if it came down to it. But all in the top 20, mm, I can't buy it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I felt the same way. It's like we loved all of our guys. We didn't want to do anything but get these guys because we knew we could get them, and we felt like they were all top 20 talent. And it's kind of like he he almost hesitated when he was saying it because he knew he was lying. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, It's like how many of these GMs, absolutely hate their picks not any of them every single one that makes their picks they love them they think they're great they're in their top 20 it's just so funny to me I loved lingo when it comes to draft and the draft and stuff like that because talk about upside you talk about potential you talk about high floor high ceiling low floor low ceiling it's just so funny like I I thoroughly just enjoy hearing the jargon when it comes from these executives mouths but uh, I thought it was really cool how Rick Carlisle kind of just almost felt like he kind of took over that press conference a little Mm. bit. I don't know if you felt that same way, but like Pritchard's up there talking and we know Pritchard can talk in circles for a little bit to try to get his point across or try to avoid answering a question. But like after Pritchard had like a long answer, like Rick Carlisle just interrupted him and like welcomed Matherin's sister for being there in attendance and like welcomed her to the facility in front of the media he then thanked all the agents for all the hard work that they had done communicating with them. And then he was the one that closed down <laughs> the entire press conference. Like, he just was like, all right, that's it. Like, after he made a subtle <laughs> joke. So what did you think about Carlisle kind of controlling that in a, in a certain degree from, from being the coach compared to the GM president kind of shutting things down?
2: Yeah, it was definitely, you know, interesting. Probably something that you're not going to see from most, most coaches around the league. Carlisle's got that. You can tell he's got some influence got some power over there so yeah definitely overtook it at times um but yeah nice nice touch of showmanship to just stop everything and just compliment Benedict Matherin's sister you know that's the way to really make the family feel special
1: yeah absolutely so let's get back into this obviously the players didn't say too too much I know some of the questions were more so directed at Kevin Pritchard and Rick Carlisle trying to get a feel for what they're thinking but it was interesting I thought when Kevin Pritchard Acknowledge that they hadn't communicated with Miles or Malcolm. Very
2: interesting.
1: Yeah, um it, it was very like, and this is where I talk about Pritchard kind of talking in circles. Like, what is he going to say? Like, oh yeah, these guys know they're getting traded. We're moving them on, or whatever. Like, he he just basically left it wide open. Didn't say too too much. Obviously, was non-committal. So that they over-talk sometimes to their guys. They're always in constant communication with them. We've heard him say that multiple times. But he did say that neither of them had been contacted. And then he threw out the line, we could use some veterans here Mm -hmm. with this young group because they need to show them the way. Very much speaking for things are about to change.
2: Yes. And when you're talking about speaking in circles, it was like the Indianapolis 500 out there. (laughs) KP did not know the exact words to say. And he was like, I I mean, well. We haven't spoken to them yet, but we, we will. We will. We like we like to stay in touch with our guys. You know, uh, we, we need veterans here, teach them how to be pros. We'll stay in contact with those guys. It was like a question that maybe he wasn't necessarily ready for, but there didn't seem like a full, full commitment over there. Um, so it was very interesting. And, you know, I thought, look, hey, Miles feels like someone that could be here. I feel yeah. like at this point, it's like, okay, we didn't get to see Tyrese. With Miles, We saw Tyrese with Malcolm wasn't, you know, wasn't something to be writing home about. So I, I feel like the Brogdon situation, like he, he's, I see him elsewhere. I see Miles staying, but also, yeah, they, they do need some veterans. But when you say like, we need veterans here to teach these guys heavy pros, most of the time, that's more of like a taking kind of a backseat type of role. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when you're talking about Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner, I don't see those guys really taking a backseat. Role on this team so it's going to be some interesting stuff to keep an eye on
1: yeah no there's no doubt about it and when it comes to like listening to what they have to say like i appreciate people asking those questions because look we need to know great question we just need to hear from him even if he doesn't give us much you can read things by how they answer it and i Mm -hmm. think that's what's important to me not really what he said but how he answered it so uh, you know I think Kevin Pritchard's done this long enough that he knows how to talk in circles. We talked about that. He did that on our podcast when we had him on he wouldn't really commit to anything but you could you could feel a certain way and you know he he was really high obviously like we talked about on this draft class like every every single president of basketball operations every GM is so he um, you know he uh, has trusted his scouts and they made some good they made some good picks here. I will say this, the most impressive thing to me was listening to Carlisle talk about two things, and I, I thought the most important thing that he talked about was Andrew Nimhard. This is a guy that I think a lot of Pacer fans were not really anticipating being the pick for them. Uh, I know we weren't really in, expecting it with the point guard situation being the way it is. You already have McConnell as a backup. You have Halliburton as your starter, and there's a lot of potential for Malcolm to be moved. So you're thinking, okay, we already got two, you know, a rotational point guards here that, you know, are, are are pretty set in stone. So we really don't need to add one, but, you know, Carlisle was raving about Nimhart. I mean, just everything that he talked about was comparing him to like former Dallas point guards that he's dealt with. So I think that's really important, but I think also when you look at these three guys, Fachi, I put this tweet out the other night, all of them came from number one seeds in last year's 2022 NCAA tournament. Arizona was a number one seed. Gonzaga was a number one seed. And so was Baylor. So for them to go out there and get players that were from like these blue blood programs, not to mention last year, Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky and and Chris Duarte from Oregon. These are all, these are all NCAA teams that are are considered, you know, top of the line when it comes to getting, you know, scholarships, recruiting and all that kind of thing. So I think the Pacers have not shied away from maybe going to like mid-major schools and, and looking at some of those guys, but they're definitely looking at some of these bigger programs to try and find more NBA-ready players.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's definitely evident. So Arizona, Baylor, Gonzaga, literally all, all teams that excelled big time last year. Also, nemar he's a winner. I mean, Gonzaga the last two years has been, like, the most elite program in, in college basketball. Yeah. Um. You know, maybe they haven't won the national championship, but they've been in it. So then, you know, you also – you look at a guy like – yeah, you know, Benedict Matherin, you know, second team All American, one one of the best players in the nation. Uh, Neymar, you're comparing him, you mentioned comparing him to Kid, Jason Terry, uh, JJ Berea saying he sees a little bit of in that. It's like, look, I, I hope a little bit more more Kid and Terry than Berea, but you know, <laughs> all three is <combined's> not bad. <laughs> no, no, look, I'll I'll take that. But yeah, the winningness. So I I thought that that's great because when you're hearing things about Neymar being a floor general. When you're a floor general on one of the most winning programs over the last two years, that's helpful. These Mm -hmm. guys know how to win, and we're trying to bring that into this Pacers organization because a lot of these guys haven't won on the pro level. But one thing that was also interesting, staying on Andrew Denmark uh, right now, played basketball with O'Shea since sixth or seventh grade. They go back. I thought that was cool. So, you know, we got a little bit of familiarity over there between those two. Tyrese and Benedict Matherin have obviously connected at times. Thought it was funny that Kendall Brown basically said he hadn't heard from anyone yet on the team. Maybe that's what happens if you're the last pick and people kind of go to sleep or something. But uh, there was one common theme throughout this press conference, and it was everybody is excited to play with Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, Mathurin said, "Hey, I'd be lying if I said I haven't thought about you know catching alley from him at times, like." That's what happens when you bring in a special talent like that. We talked about how that's that first building block that can convince other guys to want to play for the Pacers. It's that they have a super promising young point guard that can make your job easier. And everybody's starting to notice that it's only a matter of time before
1: free agents really start to notice that. Yeah, we can only hope, right? Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where when I look at Tyrese Halliburton, I think – I think we're to the point where we're so infatuated with him that maybe we overvalue him a little bit in terms of who he is overall as a player. I think there are some things, some kinks in his and the hoses, I guess you could say that you need to straighten out uh, in terms of, you know, just taking that next step for him. Cause I think he's, I think he's a really good player on the rise. I don't think he's great yet and I want to see him become great. I think he has the potential to be great or likes are mm-hmm. or, or really, really good. But right now I think he's still in that, like, B option in terms of, like, who he is for, like, a playoff team. I don't see him as an A option yet. I want to – No. I I just want to pump the brakes a little bit on that. Like, I love the potential of him, and it seems like he's a super likable guy. Like, it was really cool to see him, like you said – uh face timing with Matherin after yeah, he was selected. Awesome. And, and and you know, it just seems like he is that infectious personality that can change things. But I think Matherin's kind of the same way. Like Halliburton is just this outgoing, lovable guy on and off the court. Matherin's a quiet reserve guy yeah. on off the court, but on the court, he is a you know, he is just a killer. So uh he is coming for blood. Like that is just who Matherin is on the court. And if you watch any of his highlights, like there's just like one game, I think it was against. I want to say Oregon State, where he was just like, I mean, I felt bad for the rim, flashy. He was just brutalizing the He, I mean, and not only that, he was shooting threes. Like, he looked really good in that game. I shared that clip on Twitter as well. Like, he is a special, special player. So I think those two together could be a fantastic duo. But overall, I think one thing that speaks volumes to me is Rick Carlisle said that every single call that he made to his draft picks – he brought up that they would be playing with Tyrese Halliburton to those players. It was big. Mm-hmm. I think by Rick Carlisle acknowledging how special Halliburton is, it makes these players feel more comfortable knowing, Hey, we got a coach that believes in their franchise guy like this. Maybe he'll believe in me too. So, you know, we don't, we didn't expect Rick Carlisle to be brought to Indiana for a rebuild, but now that he's kind of in this spot, I like it. I think he's going to be the right mentor to kind of guide these players along, develop them, and while it might be another frustrating year, I guess you could say, or you're more more full of losses than wins, I think that Carlisle, um, just the way he's approaching all this rebuild stuff so far right now, I- I'm liking the direction things are going, and I like that he's just entrusting these young players to grow together and build something special. The foundation has been laid, and when you
2: talked about Tyrese Halliburton not being like a great player yet. Yeah, look, he's not an A for a lot of teams. He's not that option. But I feel like he can turn B players into A players. That's his talent of being able to get the most out of his teammates. So I feel like a guy like Ben McMatherin can reach his full potential with a Tyrese Halliburton compared to no offense like a Malcolm Brogdon, where, you know, Right. It just might not. He might not be able to give you those alley oops or hit that pass, you know, as crisp as as, as it should be. Where you know, I know it. It sounds like a little bit of a, of a jab, but Tyrese Talbot's making. I talked about it, making everyone's job easier. A guy that has twenty assist potential on a random night. I mean, we saw last year. With, with basically, I don't want to say the B team, but the man had, like, 15 assists to zero turnovers in, like, one or two games last year. And you're talking about the guys that he's working it around to is O'Shea and Terry Taylor and, and you know, Jalen Smith and, you know, Buddy Heald. Like, it's not like the Miles Turner and Malcolm Browns and T.J. Warrens of the team. so. If he can do that with those guys, just wait until you surround him with Benedict Matherin and an incoming talent from free agency or maybe just Turner's healthy. and Just whatever it is, it, it lets you dream big. And it's something that they talked about in the press conference, being able to dream big. And now I feel like we can do it with guys like Halliburton and Benedict Matherin.
1: Speaking of dreaming, let's imagine that all these free agents that the Pacers currently have are still part of the roster next year. Obviously, we know it's probably not the likely case. But just for this exercise, I want to get your thoughts on this. If you could build a a rotation of five players uh, that you'd like to see on the court together, like your dream five together on the court, who would those five be?
2: Mm, Interesting. Uh, You know, I debated this earlier. Um, I guess I'd go with, you know, Hal Burton, of course, obviously. Benedict Matherin. Duarte. I mean, look, like, it's obviously first like, two were tough, watch. Yeah, 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 no, no. Look, like, that wasn't a debate. It's me more like planning in my head that the other guys. Anyway, we got Halliburton. We got we got Mathurin. Then we're going with Duarte. Then we're going with I, I'm going with TJ Warren and Miles Turner, but it, it hurts to leave Jalen Smith out. And yeah. it, look, I got a soft spot for Buddy, but I'm sorry. But you're not in that, you're not in that starting five. So that, it's just that's like,
1: not my dream five. I want to see. Out no, there, it's though.
2: not. Now nah, you're yeah, maybe okay. Hey, what do you got?
1: I, I got the same first three. I got Duarte, Matherin, yeah. and of course Tyrese Halliburton, but I got Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson.
2: Mm, okay, okay. That
1: five together to me could be incredibly fun. You got two shooters out there for sure in Jalen Smith and Chris Duarte. You got two high flyer athlete guys in Benedict Matherin and Isaiah Jackson. Then you got Tyrese Halliburton out there kind of orchestrating the whole thing. I don't that's know what that's a feeling lineup. that ceiling yeah, is. That sure. is way more exciting than. T.J. Warren and Miles Turner, no offense. Uh, Yeah,
2: look, I know. I'm
1: just hoping that Warren can be who
2: he was before. But what you said, yeah, when you're talking about like a youth movement, that five right there would be so fun. The potential would be through the roof, and those five can grow together. So Mm. I'll definitely give you that.
1: You know what would be really fun to see is it would be incredibly fun to see Jalen Smith and – isaiah jackson setting a double screen trying to get Chris Duarte free off of off of a you know for a three-point shot off of an off-ball screen and then all of a sudden you just see jalen smith take one step in set a back screen for isaiah jackson to catch a lob from tyrese halliburton i just love that kind of stuff i can envision it in my head
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
3: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th
1: at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. But with that being said, we got to move on here, Facha, because the Pacers did make some more signings after the draft, and they got four Exhibit 10 contracts given out to Fanbo Zhang, Jermaine Samuels, Tevin Brown, and Eli Brooks. So, Fauci, let's just talk through these one at a time. I think the first person we should start off with is the one that got shared the most, I guess you could say, by Shamsurani, Uh Fanbo Zhang. Uh, am I saying that right? I believe so. And talk to me a little bit about, about him, if, yeah. if we're saying it yeah. wrong. Please do. So, Zhang worked
2: out for the Pacers on June 8th. Was not drafted. So he's going to compete for a spot, you know, in, in summer league and everything like that. 19 years old, six foot 11, played for the G League. And that description right there is probably as good as it gets. I know I'm slandering the man a little bit, but he only appeared in, a, in nine games. He averaged 3.8 points, 1.4 rebounds. He did shoot six of 15 from three, which is 40%, but there's just not enough to really say, like, this this man is an NBA player. Like mm-hmm. if you did, if you couldn't really cut it in the G League, look, it's going to be tough. But when you're talking about 19 years old, six foot eleven, you know, hey, it looks like the guy can shoot threes. Just needs a bigger sample size. Yeah, I'd like to say probably a long shot to make the team, but yes, he he did get that. Uh, did get a little bit more shine than some of the others.
1: Yeah. So his 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 pre G League scouting report referred to him as a quick, bouncy, and agile combo forward from China. Um, he was previously committed to Gonzaga and backed out and went with the G League Ignite. So I think that's interesting to note. Once again, another guy that was going to go to Gonzaga, the Pacers have eyes on him as he went to the G League Ignite. Uh, I think that's something to keep an eye on because we know Gonzaga has had some really good teams over the last couple of years. Um, Mm -hmm. they also referred to him as a skilled ball handler and passer with a good feel for the game. They said he excels in transition and can really fly above the rim and throw down some nasty dunks. Physically, he's got great tools to work with and a lot of upside to grow into. They projected him in the second round for this year's draft or next year's draft. So clearly, um, I think they knew that he was not going to be a first rounder based Mm -hmm. on what they had heard. But I think some of the stuff they're bringing to the table here in terms of his upside makes him a little bit intriguing.
2: Yeah, it would definitely be interesting. That report is definitely going to be, you know, it shows the potentials there. I think this is someone that if he did go to Gonzaga, probably would have got a better learning experience because no offense, but the G League Ignite did not have a good showing on draft day. Their guys slid far. The Jaden Hardys and, you know, of, of the G League, they had a few others that slipped to uh to the second round or undrafted. So overtime elite didn't have anybody drafted. Yeah. Not not good. Exactly. Not good for the G league because that's supposed to be that new route. So I I think that people are going to look at this and kind of be like, I don't know, you know, maybe, you know, going to, I know like Rafael Barlow basically said that he felt Jaden Hardy might've lost out on over $20 million. He ended Mm -hmm. up being going to Dallas at like, you know, somewhere in the late forties or fifties. So it, not not a great show, but for, for Fanbo, I know there were some people on Twitter that were super excited about that. And real quick, for you guys that, that maybe aren't familiar with the exhibit 10 contracts, they're non-guaranteed, but they can be converted into two-way contracts before the regular season begins. A player, you know, when eligible, it's for a fifty thousand dollar bonus. If he's waived, he can then join the team's G-League affiliate. So franchise can hold 20 players, but they gotta get down to 17 before the start of the regular season. So yeah. that's an exhibit 10. I know there's so many different, the two-way contracts, the exhibit 10s, you know, your, your regular contract. There's a lot of different contracts out there, but that is what the Pacers did over here when they signed four guys but who do you want to go into next?
1: Yeah, essentially, I think Scott Agnes brought this up an exhibit 10 contract. A nice way to say it is the training camp con, training camp contract. So yep. you know, basically they're giving them a chance to try out for the team and they'll probably sign them to G League deals. And then like we talked about last year, Dwayne Washington Jr., Terry Taylor, those those guys were exhibit 10 contracts. I think I think Dwayne was a two-way, but Terry he was, was he an was. exhibit 10 right away. And then he got converted into a two-way later then got converted into a standard contract with Dwayne. So I think, you know, the Pacers last year did a really good job uh, of converting and they've done it before. So uh, keep an eye on that. But let's go to Jermaine Samuels. This is a guy that tried out for the Pacers twice. The only Pacer that we talked about that was given that opportunity. So I thought it was a pretty sure lock that he was going to be a guy that they would bring in that did not get drafted. Um, You know, based off of his pre-college stuff, Fachi, that I found, you know, a, this this particular scouting report website Said that you know he was gonna slowly work his way on the draft boards. They really liked his upside. They compared his game a little bit to Jimmy Butler in terms of his powerful build, a mid-range game, and strength going to the basket. Um, I mean, he's six foot seven, two hundred thirty pounds. I think Jermaine Samuel is playing at Villanova, another blue blood school. <laughs> we keep looking at these guys, but I mean, I'm just telling you, like that's a that's a big thing here. So, um, you know, he's gonna have to improve that three-point shot, but uh, I, I think he's got some. Really good upside to him, and he's not really a flashy player. But uh, like Jimmy Butler, he's just a grinder, and he's going to go out there and, and give it all on the floor. What do you have to say about Jermaine Samuels?
2: A twenty-three-year-old, six-foot-seven, played five years at Villanova. He was on the national championship team. Also went to another national championship. Um, you know, averaged eleven points per game, six-point-five rebounds this past season. Um, I, I think that he's he's bringing just like you talked about that winning. Pedigree. This is someone that, you know, played for, you know, was out there playing in the National Championship, playing in Final Fours. Like, he's been around overall. How high is the ceiling? I can't say it's, you know, sky high. But at this point, hey, bringing in a guy to be able to compete for a roster spot that at least has played under a really good coach, it, it helps. It very much helps. And at this point, five years in college, he's seasoned. So this is someone that you're not going to be like, oh man, he just doesn't look like he's ready at all. I think when you talked about being 230 at that point, Hey, you know, I think, I think he's going to be able to kind of be like a grown man out there. So,
1: yeah, there's there's no doubt in my mind that this is the reason why Jay Wright walked away from Villanova and retired. He didn't want to have to coach another team without Jermaine Samuels on him. That's Very how good possible. he is, mm-hmm. you know? So um, that's a little tongue in cheek. I'm just being funny, but Um, You know, Jermaine Samuels, though, this is a guy that I I really do believe could have a chance to be one of those Exhibit 10 contracts that gets turned into a two-way. I think he's someone the Pacers have had their eyes on for a little while now over the draft process, and I I think he's going to be given the first shot out of these four players here. But the next guy, I think, has a real good shot, and that's Tevin Brown-Flachie. Talk to me about the Murray State guard here that is just a a lights-out shooter. Tevin Brown excited me. Okay,
2: so Tevin Brown was a three-time all-Ohio Valley Conference selection at Murray State. This is someone who has been around for a while. Murray State had one of their best years ever, 31-3 and this year, first time they ever ranked, and Brown was a big part of that. Let's just go into it. Uh, 276 three-point attempts made uh, attempts this year. Uh, That was first in the conference. Then overall, he was first in threes made per game in the conference. 16th overall in the nation. His three-point percentage of 38% uh, was first in the conference. He made 106 threes. I mean, he basically, he was – the best three-point shooter in their conference. Then when you look at Murray State overall, he's their all-time leader in threes made. Um, he's he's basically just one of the best players they've ever had. I know it's not a storied program, but just going through the numbers this past year, 16.8 points per game, uh, nearly six rebounds per game, shot the three ball at 38%. He's a 38% three-point shooter, nearly 39% for his career. This guy, when you're looking at him, you're getting a marksman. You're getting a real good three-point shooter, and you know there's always a need for three-point shooting in the NBA, especially under Rick Carlisle. And when we knew Dwayne Washington could shoot threes, this is giving me those type of vibes last year where it's like, don't count this man out because this guy could end up playing meaningful minutes for the Pacers at some point next year.
1: Yeah, and and you talk about hitting that 38% mark. You know, he did that for four years, Mm Fauci. It wasn't just a small sample size. And to add a little bit more of context on that, he took 63.2% of his shots from three. So the man loves to shoot the deep ball. Um, he has taken at least 196 attempts from downtown every every year in college. So, you know, 276 this season, like you mentioned, but he's at least taken 196 over every season he was in college. So this man has no doubt about it, that he is a shooter. He also has good court vision, Faji. This is one thing I like about him as well. I think he's a good team player. I think he's going to be able to be a lights out shooter. And, and you know, every, every shooter is going to shoot, even if they're not feeling it, but I, I do like his confidence as well. Um, 175 pounds. I think I would prefer to for, prefer to him to get a little more muscle on him as well. But overall, I like what he did here for a small school. This is our first small school that we're talking about here, Fachi and Murray state, but at the same time, you know, John Maria Murray state. So, you, you can't knock the program just because it's a little bit smaller, but I, I think Tevin Brown may be a little bit under the radar, but we see that happen all the time. Um, I was asked this on the radio, and I'm, I'm curious your thoughts. Do you think he could have a similar pathway to the NBA that maybe a Duncan Robinson had?
2: Ooh, I mean, hey, it, it's tough anytime you're comparing someone like, like Duncan who's that great of a shooter, but also I feel like Tevin Brown's bringing more to the table outside of shooting. When For you're sure. talking about a guy who's averaging – nearly six rebounds for each of the last two years. This year's three assists. The year before that, it was over four assists. I, over It's about a steal and a half per game for his career. So I feel like it's he's not a liability out there where Duncan Robinson, unfortunately, wasn't even able to get minutes in the playoffs. So he's still someone as a guard 6'5". I like that. So I would love for him to be able to develop into some type of Duncan Robinson-esque player. But – this is the one guy over here at these exhibit tens that I'm like, that guy is going to play for the Pacers. The other ones, eh, can't guarantee anything over there, but I believe in Tevin Brown.
1: So you think Tevin Brown is the number one option for these guys on the 10 on the exhibit yes. 10 contracts? Yes, I do. Over Jermaine Samuels. I do. Yep. Okay, so we're different there. That's interesting. Okay. Maybe we should put a bet down, Foch. Yeah, I think
2: we should. I think we should, man. Tevin, shooting, you always need it. Okay. And hey, it helps those that, that can that can hit it down at a high clip. And I like what he's bringing to the table over there. You're talking about, for his conference, best three-point shooter out there. I know it's not the Big Ten or, you know, Pac-12 or wh- whatever you want.
1: But the man can flat-out shoot. Okay, so what, what's your go-to, like, uh, like restaurant when you go out, out in town?
2: Mm, I don't know. I just moved to a new city, so they're all different.
1: Are you a stuff. coffee person? Oh,
2: yeah, I do. Yep. Could Where do you
1: like coffee, to get yeah. coffee from?
2: Uh... Well, it's, it's, it's a place that's not like a chain, but hey, we'll okay. go to Starbucks. How about that? Starbucks, okay. they got them everywhere.
1: Uh, see, I'm not a Starbucks person. So what we'll do is whoever they end up converting to a two-way contract, I'll send you money to get a free coffee if I'm wrong. And if I'll you're wrong, same. you got to send me money for a free coffee. That's not fair? Deal. Deal. There we go. Okay, let's move on to our last one here. Undrafted rookie Eli Brooks signing an Exhibit 10 deal with the Pacers. I'm going to be competing with the team for the summer league in the summer league. I mean, so uh, just six foot one, Foxy, tell me a little bit more about Eli Brooks. Another
2: guy from a storied program. This was a fifth year senior at Michigan. All right. This is I hate that Brooks. school. Yeah, I, I grew up a big Michigan fan initially. I really did. I'll, I'll put that out there. But Brooks is the Wolverines all time leader in wins mm. and was their team captain in his final two seasons. This is the theme they were going for. I want winners. Even when we just talked about Tevin Brown, he's coming off of Murray State's best season ever. It's just like little things like that. So a lot of guys that contribute to winning programs. So Brooks, you mentioned 6'1". He's undersized for a guard. He appeared in 34 games, um, averaged 12.8 points per game, 3.7 rebounds. Nearly three assists, one point two steals. Another guy who can stroke the three ball well at thirty nine percent. So very interesting for his career. He well, first career thirty six percent three point shooter. Last year, this past season, thirty nine point four percent. The year before that, thirty nine point six percent. So the guy has really improved his three ball over the last few years. So you know, very much like that.
1: Their small point guard, no surprise. Rick Carlisle likes him. Go back, Jalen Brunson, JJ Barea, another small point guard. But with that being said, we're building culture builders here. We're adding culture builders here because all these guys that are coming in here are hard workers, chip on their shoulder, guys that were leaders, guys that have high basketball IQ. So this is exactly what we're doing here, Fachi. So as we kind of wrap this up, I think we wanted to go ahead and talk about the draft, what other people around the league are saying, and then we'll give our draft grades. So you had some information, some intel on what some of these other experts were saying. So what did you come up with here for the Pacers?
2: Well, one thing that was discouraging is when I looked at ESPN's write-up of the draft, they didn't even mention the Pacers once. They talked about all other teams. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, But when I looked at CBS, uh, CBS gave the Pacers... uh, (laughs) CBS. Yeah, look, I I went through a couple different ones. CBS is very unreliable. So let's take it with a grain of salt. But I, I, I compiled, like, four, four sites or so. CBS gave the grade uh, for Benedict Matherin as an A. So got to love that. I mean, what's not to like? Andrew Demar, yeah. they gave a B. And then Kendall Brown, an A. And they cited it as a top 30 prospect who was an absolute steal, as they thought it would go in round one, a five-star recruit who brings great length, and major upside to Indiana. So, look, love, love that pick. The New York Post gave the Pacers overall a B plus. Haters, yeah, exactly. I know, classic haters, classic New York, right over there. So then, when you go over to Fox Sports, an A minus. Um, you know, can't argue with that. So it's like, all right, you know, hey, anything in the A's, you're never going to be like, what haters, <laughs> you know? But USA Today gave us an A uh, right over there, and that that was a list that I put together. So okay. when you're really looking through it, you're seeing A's, A minuses. You know, you can live with that. New York Post, I feel like the Roy Hibbert clip where he's like, y'all don't even watch us. You know, it's like you ain't paying attention on it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I I like giving CBS a hard time just because they had, like, Johnny Davis and Jeremy Sohan mocked to us there for a little bit. Like, okay, but that was different writers. I think Gary Parish was the one that actually gave this one out for CBS, if I'm not mistaken. And I did watch a YouTube clip of them kind of reacting to the draft live. And one of the funniest things was just hearing Avery Johnson on this broadcast, Fachi. He, uh, we got to hear him say Benedict Matherin and his excellent Avery Johnson voice. So uh, maybe I'll clip that and put it in our intro soon. But I, I definitely was just loving that. So.
2: No, that that's great. I mean, honestly, just, oh, man. Hey, overall, with the grades, I, I think that those are fair grades. I would curious, be curious to see what ESPN has to say about us, someone who actually really covers the draft a little bit more. But at the end of the day, I can't argue with these.
1: Okay, Faji. so what are you thinking? What are you going to give the Pacers here in terms of the grade?
2: I, I'd, I'd give them an A minus or an A. I, honestly, I'm right over there. I'm,
1: pick, I'm, which one?
2: Give me an A. I'm going to give you an A. Okay, right over here, we got to we got to get an A. Because here's the thing. We got the guy that we wanted right over there, the main pick. All right? Yeah, I'm not in love with Andrew Nemark, but at the same point, like, that there's not anything to hate. Kendall Brown, right over there. That to me, if they took Brown, like we talked about, 31 over there, and the whole draft it was just Matherin and Kendall Brown, I still would have felt good with that. So the fact that we got our our, our third string point guard or so right now, I, I feel good. And I'll give an A. I'll give an A.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna give it an A as well. No A minus for me. No A plus because I didn't get Jaden Ivy, but. I think Benedict, Ma- Benedict Matherin, the one thing I do like about him compared to Ivy is I think he'll be able to guard multiple positions. Yep, That's one thing that Ivy I think will struggle with on the defensive side is, look, John Morant is someone he's been compared to a lot. I know they worked out together. Kristen Peake told us that on our podcast went to the mock draft. Look, let's just be honest. John Morant was a target for most teams in the playoffs because defensively he had some work to do. I think Jaden Ivy has a little bit more upside defensively I don't know I don't, I don't want to get too far into that conversation but I, I just think Matherin being that six foot six a little bit heavier I think some people have him listed a six seven whatever he is I just feel like having a little bit more size makes him more playable and just real quick I, I got a, I got some hate back when I said Matherin and Halliburton are replacing Brogdon and Lavert. like that's a great upgrade People are tagging Chris Duarte and telling me that I hate Chris Duarte. Oh,
2: my God. Can we
1: just stop? Like, I never w- said that whatsoever. I-, I said that I'd be willing to trade Duarte to get Jaden Ivey because, you know, Jaden Ivey's ceiling was much higher. But I love Chris Duarte. I said nothing but great things about him last year. Sure, I wanted Moses Moody. We know about that. It wasn't because I hated Chris Duarte. I just like the upside of Moody. He was 19. Duarte is 24. Look at where I'm talking about things. I'm not saying that I don't like Chris Duarte. Um, that's just a really that's a really poor narrative. And for you to come at me and say that it, it's not really fair and it's not even accurate to what I've been saying. I think Chris Duarte is going to be a special ball player, Fachi. I think he's good defensively, good three-point shooter, and I think he can fit in well with those two in the starting lineup. I just think it gives him a lot of versatility, but I also could see him coming off the bench. So I, I just think that the ceiling is much higher for Matherin than it is Duarte, and I think that Halliburton and Matherin are your two firmest building blocks for this Pacers team moving forward But it doesn't mean that Duarte is not a part of that. So with that being said, I'm giving him an A. Nimhard, sure, it was unexpected, but it makes a lot of sense because they didn't need a third-string point guard. Don't want to have Brad Wanamaker repeat all over again. Mm -hmm. And then Kendall Brown, baby, coming back in, getting him at pick 48. Probably didn't have to give up as much to get uh, back into the 30s. So the fact that he fell all the way to the 40s, 47 teams that passed on him are going to be sad because Kendall Brown, (laughs) I know it's not 47 teams in the NBA, I'm just being – yeah, he's just, but of course. <laughs> all the teams that pass on him, those 47 picks that pass on him, they're going to regret it because Kendall Brown, like I said, he's a top 18 player, top 20 player in this draft. I had him number 15 on my big board of realistic guys to go after. So I absolutely love him. I think he's a guy to keep an eye on.
2: You know, I've listened to a few uh, podcasts recapping drafts. And while the Pacers are, you know, unfortunately a team that gets, breezed over a bit more. When they talked about steals of the draft, it was Kendall Brown's name that came up or guys that fell that were unexpected. It was Kendall Brown's name that kept coming up as there was numerous people that had him mocked top twenty. So, I mean, really, you right over there. And if anyone even thinks it's an exaggeration, a lot of people had him top 30 as a first-round talent. And when you talk about Duarte and Matherin, look, it's not even being biased or anything like that. 10 out of 10 people should tell you that Matherin's ceiling is higher just due to his his age and everything like that. But also, Duarte, I mean, his 13.1 points per game was a pacer rookie record so at times yeah maybe maybe everybody's guilty of sleeping on him a bit the injuries and then we missed the end of the season all that the man's going to be he's very talented already he's going to be very good for us he's been good for us i can't wait for it but at the same point we're also allowed to be excited about our brand new draft pick that we wanted for months So, you know, with that, it's not one or the other, this or that. Hey, we're happy to have them on the team together to be able to grow together for years. Even when we were talking about trades, there were so many times in each scenario, I tried to find a way to keep Duarte. It was like, man, I don't, if we have to throw in Duarte, like, I really don't want to do that. You know, this, this, and that for Ivy. I I love what the Pacers did right over here. And KP even said, we protected our assets
1: for the future. So who knows what they do with those? They could still use those. It takes a team to win a championship. Just ask LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo because without really reliable teammates, no matter how great they are, they need help. And that's what I'm saying here. Chris Duarte is a helper. He is not the guy. He is a helper, and that's fine. He's going to fill that role great, whether he's here or somewhere else. I, I think he's an NBA player for a long time. But with that being said, Fachi. We are done for today's episode. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. We are going to be coming back on Tuesday with some more content for you. If you haven't already, make sure you check out our link on Instagram and pre-order one of our new "Set of the Pay" shirts. They're only twenty-two dollars. Uh, there is additional charges for sizes and shipping, so check that out. But starting at twenty-two dollars, you're going to love these shirts. They're great quality shirts. I've I've seen them before. I've worn these shirts before had them ordered before from something I was involved with so these are going to be really good shirts if you haven't already make sure you get your pre-order in because we are closing those by the end of this week so we can put our orders in but Fachi with that being said where can people find us at on social media? You can find us on Twitter at
2: SettingThePace3 You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Media. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I You can find us on Instagram at PacersTalk You can find us on Facebook at SettingThePace You can find us on TikTok setting the pace out tell them where they can check us
1: out on youtube go to youtube.com search setting the pace the pacers podcast check out all of our video content there that we have up and Fachi, if you believe kendall brown was the absolute steal of the draft say these three words let's go pacers
3: MyPatriotSupply.com